What is it you want, Barry? What do you want? You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying times here. Come with me if you want to live. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. The Force will be with you. Always. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to 20th Century Geek. I'm your regular host, Scott Weatherly, and we're going back to the 80s, and we're going to be taking on a franchise in this new retrospective, a franchise I've wanted to cover for a, quite a long time, but been a little worried about doing so. Uh, we're going to be covering Police Academy, but I'm not doing this on my own. I'm joined by my own little set of misfits, uh, Dave Horrocks and Maff. How are you doing, guys? You okay? Doing very well, sir. Uh, as soon as you put the call out, I, I used to love this series. And so I was like, okay, I'm sort of scared of going back a little bit. You know, watch the, the first one again fairly recently, like within the last year. And I was like, ooh. Uh, but I do remember absolutely loving this franchise. And more so the first four, which is what we're going to mm. cover today. So uh, it only seemed right to throw my hat in the ring. Yeah, I'm glad you joined us. Uh, yeah, as we were saying, this is going to be the Gutenberg years, um, or the Gutenberg saga, if you want to refer to it as that. Uh, and also, I'm joined by Maff. Maff, how are you doing? You okay? Not too bad. Uh, same again. I, I saw that you were going to do this, and I thought, yeah, I, I love Police Academy. They were really good. I remember watching <laughs> them in, in the 80s and thinking there was a couple of reasons why I watched them in the 80s. Uh, but I thought, yeah, they can't be that bad, surely. And then I watched them. <laughs> but, you know, um, it it was interesting to go back and watch them again. Mm. Um, and as I say, we'll we'll, um, we'll get into that. I'm sure. Yes, we will. Yeah. Well, they're definitely the piece. And I say we're going to be covering the first four, which is obviously Police Academy, uh, Police Academy Two, First Assignment, Police Academy Three, Back in Training, and Police Academy Four, Citizens on Patrol. Um, and it's quite, I'm doing that off the top of my head. That's sort of like, <laughs> that's uh, how much sort of like, you know, dedicated we are to this retrospective. But we will start with 1984's Police Academy starring, and I'm just going to quickly pull it up so I can remember, because there's names, the people that come up and re- return you, is interesting, actually. But obviously starring like Steve Guttenberg, GDW, Lieutenant Harris, Kim Cattrall, uh, an early appearance, Bubba Smith, uh, Donovan Scott, George Gaines as Commander Lassard, David Graff as Tackleberry, Leslie Eastbrook as Callahan, Michael Winslow as Larvel Jones. They're sort of the main ones. Um, but there's other characters as well that will, will turn up, and we're going to talk about some of the characters that turn up. There'll be specific ones I'll call out as we go. But let's start with the first one. Then. So 1984's Police Academy. Um, before we get into details, let's start like with you, Dave. What are your first thoughts on, on Police Academy, the first the first film again uh, i i actually think i watched the second one more than the first and what surprised me is going through all four yeah i've watched all four lots and lots of times mm-hmm. and and i couldn't before i went embarked on this i couldn't tell you which you know which little bits happened in which movie mm-hmm. it all just blended into they're, one thing they, they are all, quite interchangeable in that yeah, way yeah they they all came out like one year after the other didn't they which is unbelievable mm. if you think about like how long it normally takes to put together a script 
<laughs> script. Um, so yeah, I I thought, look, it's still funny to me, and some of it is uncomfortably funny because mm. you think, you know, you couldn't get away with that today. Stuff like the Blue Oyster Bar, the the <laughs> kind of stuff like that. But look, I can't help it. I kind of there's still that child in me that was back in the mid eighties that kind of found that sort of stuff funny. Um, yes, you, you couldn't do it now, but I, I, I still really enjoyed going back through it. I think, I think I enjoyed Mahoney's character less though in this first one, uh, which I wasn't really expecting. I, uh, we're in 2022 the police in the US have mm. a rather horrible, uh, you know, you've got all this shit that's going on with them right now. And it, it's kind of opened the lid and it, it just, it sparks my brain. You know, I kind of just want to go along with the movie, but my brain is kind of going to what it's really like and and some of the things that they do and you know Mahoney's just a bit of a dick isn't he you know mm. he, causing all this criminal damage himself like uh, you know before he gets looped in um so yeah I, I couldn't really separate the reality from just watching the movie but yeah I, I just as it unfolded I just remembered almost everything and you know, I, I can hear it now when they go into the Blue Oyster Bar there. <laughs> you know, it's just, it, I just can't help it. Like I say, I know it's wrong, uh, but I just find it funny. Well, we'll get to that, actually, because you say, you know, about it being 2022. And one of the things, obviously, that you talk about, obviously, the police um, in America and the reputation they have at the moment. There's obviously been an awful lot of stuff like police brutality and that sort of thing. Mahoney's not the character that troubles me. Like you say, he's a bit of a dick, but he's he's sort of like that lovable loser, isn't he? He's the sort of like um, the goofball or the sort of like the the, the you know the snarky, cool mm. kid. That's what they're trying to. He's almost like a Ferris Bueller kind of trying to be yeah. a character. The one that terrifies me is Tackleberry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in all honesty, Tackleberry is the character that I keep coming back to, and I'm like, you could not do Tackleberry in 2022. Because he's the he's the person that would result. You know, he's the one that would instigate a riot. You know what I mean? He's yeah. It, it, he's the character, the most problematic character almost of of the entire franchise. Yeah. Um. So that, that yeah, that was interesting. Uh, what about you, Math? What were your thoughts then on the first? Uh, you know, your first thoughts on Police Academy oh. One. Oh, uh, I went and picked up the DVD and I thought, all right, okay. I can't remember. I, I remember Police Academy. I would not be able to pick out the plot. Um, there's much of a plot between all four of them. They mm. all just in. If it, you could probably make one film out of all four of them of the best bits, it wouldn't be very long. Um, but it, I must admit, it is a bit of a guilty pleasure where you go back and you're watching, you are laughing at stuff that you think you you could not laugh at, at things like that these days, really. Um. Yeah, the Blue Oyster Bar, as soon as that came on, I just thought, oh, gosh. <laughs> and I, it, it's 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 funny when certain sounds that you can hear and certain music you hear, and it, it brings back a memory. You know, Star Wars, you get TIE fighters, and, and that you, you hear that noise from the Blue Oyster Bar, and you think, oh, my gosh. And it's amusing that it, it's 
it's been in all four that I've seen so far uh, on this rewatch. And the fact that they, they do just keep going back to that pick because they know more back then they knew it was funny. Um, I Mahoney is a dick. He, you know, yeah. he, he's meant to be a dick, though. That's the thing. He's he's meant to be that lovable rogue that you know. Although you know he's 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 out of order. He's the guy that you root for. Um, yes, I can see where Tackleby would be a massive problem these days. But it, it's him as it's it's Harris now. Harris is meant to be the bad guy. Uh-huh. But the way he treats people and that again, even being a villain these days, I still think you would struggle with him doing a lot of the stuff that he does. Um, you know, that there, there are quite a few racial slurs in there, um, and homophobic ones as well. And it, it's, I think, they're the bits where, especially with what's happened in the last few years with the police. That's the bit that does take you out. And you think, though this is funny, this is good. You've gone too far now, and it's very problematic. Yeah, that's an interesting point though, because I think you because you are right. You know, well, let's get to the nub of it. Is um, the the racial slurs in particular? Like, but what? And this is what I want to. There's a point I want to argue, and I'm going to put something maybe maybe more controversial. Let's see, because it is always the villains in this. There's three main villains, aren't there? There is, there is, as you say, there's Lieutenant Harris played by G.W. Bailey, and then there's uh, the two sort of like um, dickhead cadets, uh, Copeland and Blanks, um, played by Scott Thompson and, and Brant von Brant von Hoffman, and they're sort of like the stu- you know, the, I mean, the, the thing is, this the model of this film goes back to you know, like, like Attack of the Nerds. Animal House, Stripes, like, you know, it's not, this film is, Porky's, exactly, yeah, this film is not unique in in any particular way, it's a, it's a sort of a type of, it's almost a sex comedy without being a sex comedy, like, they've taken that sort of, like, you know, the, the lovable losers make good, um, and put it into a police film, like, that's the idea, they are the lovable losers, However, what I find is because they are the sort of the misfits, the ragtag bunch, almost like the you know the, um, the raggy dolls of whatever, because it's it's was it's it D Patrol, isn't it or whatever? Like Callahan's and, and Harris's Patrol. Um, I'd forgotten all that. Like there's a specific patrol. It's not just the whole academy year. It's just one patrol or one troop or whatever. They're all the misfits. But all the good guys are relatively like race positive. Like you know, they sort of like hooks and 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 uh, high tower are sort of a part of the group. There's no sort of like discrimination there within the misfits. It always comes from outside. It always comes from Harris, um, but it also comes from Copeland uh, and Blanks. But Copeland in particular, like they 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 instantly highlight how, like, that he's awful by being a racist because the first thing he says, he sort of. And I had to I had to double check to see what this was, but he says there's an awful lot of spades around here. And then he sees mm. Hightower and he's like, and that's a good thing. When they steal his car later on, it's got the um Confederate flag as a register as his license plate sort of thing. Uh, and there's a few other things like that that like they are set up to just be it's it's what's interesting, even in 2022, in the, in the time now of 2022, where we're at now. The fact that the Confederate flag in 1984 was instantly recognised as being an insta- you know, as being a sign of, mm. of you being a dick and this other stuff is bizarre. The fact it's taken them like 35 years and it's still not been resolved. Um, 
So uh, weirdly, I feel that this film is is strangely like race positive. You know, sort of like there's no, um, you know, because. <sighs> I, I don't I know because do you know what I'm saying? Like because p- p- both both hooks and Hightower are very professional. Because no, yeah, hooks getting on, like she she can't climb over the wall, and then obviously when, by the end of the film when she can climb over that wall, like you see Callahan being proud of her and stuff, and she's got like, a positive relationship with Cat- Kim Cattrall's character and stuff. I don't know. There's still like this problems, but there's still this bit where I'm like, ah, you know, I don't know. I was just it just sort of what I was thinking. It, it, it's an issue because. You mentioned there it's uh, Hightower and Hooks, mainly the ones that get kind of picked on. Yeah. Whereas Jones, Jones is more of an ass. With, yeah. uh, obviously, what he does uh, with all the noises it makes and things like that. But he doesn't seem to get highlighted as much. Um, but I can see you have a fair point because that racism is brought up. But then there's it, I mean, it's like the the space line. It it then moves across the high tower, and you see the look on his face of you don't want to do this, mm-hmm. and that oh yes, you know he he realizes at that point that he's he's really messed up here. So I suppose it's an interesting way of looking at. It. I think that you know, although it's highlighted at the same point, they are trying to combat it in a way. Exactly, I think that's a, it's the weird thing that it's it's sort of like it seems. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'll flip this in a minute, but I I feel the film is trying to be race positive. However, the film is um, Mahoney. No, let's he, confession time. Obviously, you know I'm a massive Ghostbusters fan, and me and Chris Phelps have an ongoing battle about as to whether or not Peter Venkman is a sex pest. I I, <laughs> I will defend Peter Venkman, and Chris and Chris wants to bring him down. Um, but I will say. Mahoney is most definitely a sex best. Not just because he obviously, you know, he's trying to get thrown out, but him trying to sort of see um, Kim Cattrall's thighs and all that sort of thing. But the scene where he is watching the women in the shower and doesn't get spotted, but then Lieutenant Harris does <laughs> and they all start screaming. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, that's funny because Harris has been spotted. I'm like, yeah, but Mahoney, how long was Mahoney there for? Just perving on these women in the shower. Yeah. And, and he's that, stood there drinking a beer, isn't he? So he's, yeah. he's obviously been there for a good amount of time. And... Exactly. And I'm like, hang on, is that supposed to be all right? Because he's the cool one. I don't understand this. I think it was. I, that was the moment that made me think of Porky's, to be honest. Mm. You know, especially with the shower thing. But yeah, I, I, I actually found myself empathising a little bit more with Harris. You know, because... He's supposed to be that drill sergeant, essentially. Yeah. He's got to whip these people into shape, and they're fucking terrible in, yeah. in all their different ways. But <laughs> I, I just going back to your race positive point, I, I think you can argue that, you know, because everyone who, who use these, uses these slurs is a dick, and mm-hmm. that's what the mm-hmm. film's telling us. So, so we shouldn't focus on the fact that these slurs are made. The people who do them, are dicks. So we should point at them and laugh and say, you're dicks. The homophobia, I don't think there's so much of an argument there. No. <laughs> so that that was more the that kind of made me a bit uncomfortable. And you mentioned about Kim Cattrall as well. I mean, she, uh, uh, there is no point in her. Being, there is no character development at all with her. She literally is there just to be ogled at, isn't she? And, you know, she does show off her thighs at the end and look, 
peak Kim Cattrall. I, I I do have a soft spot for that, but you know, mm. um, yeah, I I just felt like there there were so many so many problematic things. Um, but again, it's like I know it's problematic, but the nostalgia is just like, yeah, go on, laugh though. You know, it's like nudging me. Go on, go on. It's funny though, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it is. <laughs> it's like that. It's like that sort of like. Um, it's it's like that sort of like grandparent or or uncle or something, isn't it? That you know you shouldn't laugh at, but like there's still a charm to it. Like it's innocent, it's naive in it in its sort of like, um, you know, there are still lines. But and I'm trying not to defend. I'm I'm definitely not defending some of the the its positions, but it's never meant in malice. Do you know what I mean? Like it's the whole thing. Even like so, there's a lot when they go. Um, they steal Copeland's car, um, and they tear the light. You know, yeah. When they tear the seats out and stuff, and that's kind of funny. I do, I do like that. When like he's like, you know, he makes the joke and Hightail just rips the seats out and stuff. Yeah. Um, but w- before they do that, like um, Hightail wakes up Mahoney, and um, he's like, it's three, it's three in the morning. Like, what do you want me to do? Talk about not being able to drive. He goes, well, sleeping's for fags. Mm. And again, you're like just just the sort of casual way it's that 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 sort of phrase is sort of thrown out there. I'm just like, mm. and it, uh, you can say that it's just, it's the '80s, it's the way that it was sort of thing. But you're like, this is where it's problematic. You're like, I'm supposed to be rooting for these guys, but it's clearly yeah, yeah. it's clearly not um, good. Um, but yeah, I think that's the thing. We can look back knowing that we saw that, you know. 30 odd years ago and we know what what that area you know that era was like in a lot of films I mean you know there's a lot of films which Dave and Chris do on VHS where they don't age well Mm. and they wouldn't be able to be made like that in this day and age but to a certain degree we kind of give it a bit of a pass because that's what it was back then. There, that is, there is some nostalgia there that kind of pushes us forward to think, well, we know it's wrong and we know really we shouldn't laugh at it, but there's still that, you know, you know, back then, I think when this came out, I was about eight years old. Um, but then it had certain points in there that brought my attention to, you know, and it wasn't just uh, Callahan's points um, that brought me kind of, to enjoy it and mm. I can kind of go back there even knowing that there's certain things you shouldn't be doing now yeah I think that's fine I think you know it's fine to accept I think this is the place we're in like you know at the moment where it's just the funny thing is that we are talking about a 1984 film it's 35 you know 30 35 plus years old and we're now sort of but we are almost you know, worried about making a comment about a film because he's saying, oh, because it's got, you know, potentially racial or homophobic um, jokes in it. But like you say, it's the thing you've got to go, you've got to go, yeah, it wasn't good, but it was never, it, it's not like it's meant in in malice. Even the Blue Oyster Club that's meant, you know, what I would say, you could, you could turn a lot of this stuff. The Blue Oyster Club is not good. Like it's problematic. Like it's endlessly problematic. However, even when like Copeland and stuff get, because it comes up again and again, whether it's going to be Proctor or Harris or Mauser mm. later on, we'll talk about it. Um, but at least, but no one in that bar, they they obviously play up the big sort of white, you know, the 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 YMCA, what they called, um, um, what was the band called? 
Yeah, the village um, people. Yeah, village, oh, people. village people. Sorry, village yeah. people. It clearly plays up I'm that village people. Frankie goes to Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's well, that, that village people sort of stereotype of stuff, like you know, all the leathers there and all that kind of stuff, like you know, the, the caps and things. But at no point is anyone actually judging them. Like you know, they, they go in there and they're being sort of like, it's the fact that like you know, it, it, again, the joke is almost the terrifiedness of the sort of like of Copeland or or, or Proctor or, or you know whoever gets end up ends up in the club. The, the, the men in the gay club are never actually judged. They're just sort of there and they take charge. And it, it's the funny thing is, even at the end of it, when it goes back and there's a slow dance going on and stuff like that, it's, it's <laughs> you know, it's it's actually kind of funny because it's not saying like, but it, it, it's 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 bad. It's like oh look at these weirdos kind of thing, but it's still not like no one's actually saying they're wrong or they're bad. Like you know, it's it's a weird one. I don't. It's, it's an it's an odd sort of mix of like this is problematic, but it's not being malicious it, it's the film kind of has taken all the stereotypes of you know and they've they've elevated it more yeah and that and and more so back in the 80s it was a lot easier to get away with if you can take your mind back to that you can kind of understand where they're going i mean you know i, I remember talking to one of my gay friends and that and um uh, we were having a laugh and a joke with him and just saying that, you know, we were a bit nervous sometimes uh, when he kind of came out and it's like, you know, is he going to fancy us and this and of it? And he says, why do you think I would even fancy you? You're an ugly bastard. <laughs> and, like, oh. yeah. and, and I think that's where back then, you know, people used to be scared because they're like, oh, he's mm. gay. Oh, no, you know, I'm not safe. Well, <laughs> don't, don't say that you're God's gift. Don't flatter yourself. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and the thing is, we are now a lot further on where it's a lot more accepting. You know, yeah. he's still got a long way to go, and that you know, but we are getting to that point. And when we do look back at these films, you can look and think that is wrong, but you can again look at it and think, how far have we come from that where mm. we can accept these things? Mm. Yeah, and I think that you're right, actually, and that's a really good point, is that sort of, you know, we can look back and go, actually, this is problematic, and, it, you know, it shouldn't, you know, you wouldn't see that today. Um, um, just to your point about sort of, you know, friends coming out and stuff, I always think that there's no one more offended than, you know, a sort of like a slightly bigoted straight man who finds out that gay people don't find him attractive. Like they're the one. Oh, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? So, Why you not? know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, do, do you? I don't. I'm, I'm confused. Do you want them to find you attractive or not? Like, um. But yeah. So the first one has got, like, say, is problematic. And it, the, but the key, the key thing to this film, you, we've all said that there's a charm to it. Um, and there is. There's most definitely a nostalgic charm to it. And I do think we've, although we've said, um, it's clear that Mahoney's a bit of a dick. However, Steve Guttenberg still does pull off that. He's still got a charm. He's still got that. So it's no wonder that he was so sort of like, you know, we forget that, you know, we forget how sort of ubiquitous he was in the mm. 80s. You know, like, uh, I could, you know, like, I'm just going to know his whole thing, but there's films that I watched regularly as a kid, Short Circuit, you know, Three Men and a Baby, like he was all over the place in the 80s. Like he was one of those sort of actors. And he had that because he had that charm. He had that sort of roguish, you know, twinkle in his eye. And, but I, and I think that carries him a long way. Um, but the other thing is, like this whole crew 
most of them do have something to offer. And I think although, because the film is a bunch of sketches, isn't it? Let's be clear. Like the film is a collection yeah. of sketches that lead up to an end point that comes out of nowhere. Like I love the fact that like, you know, the the the, the makes good scene at the end, the finale literally comes out of nowhere. <laughs> um, but they all sort of get a chance to shine. Like, you know, they all get a scene pretty much where they get to, you get to see them improve or they get to do something. And so I really like that. Because and especially, but then they know it's clear from the, they know who their sort of stars are. Like you know, like you said, Jones gets to use his voice mimicry repeatedly and in some great ways. Um, so by the end of the film, although the sort of like you say, it's been a little hit and miss, and it's been problematic. Like I'm enjoying all the cast for the most part. I think. What do you think, Dave? Think what do you think about that? I think it's a fair point. I mean, it is an ensemble cast, but I think. Mm. From out of this first movie, it's clear who the star is. And I, you can't even say, well, is that because he had favorable screen time or anything? I, I don't I don't necessarily think it is. I, I think, you know, there were plenty of the other characters who had the screen time. It was just that cheeky little smile that he's got and, the, you know, the expressions that he makes. I, I think, you know, that was the start of him going on to bigger and better things, even when he's coming out of the little lectern there and Lassard <laughs> thinks he's uh, giving him a bit happy time. So, yeah, I, I I think it was good. And and I think as well, it it going back, it did teach me that, you know, the other guys did get quite a lot of screen time. And one of the non-reoccurring characters that I kind of miss from the following movies is George Martin. Yes. <laughs> oh, George oh, Martin. Yeah. George Martin. <laughs> and it's funny how there's so many, out of these first four, there are so many little bits that I still reference, like, today, you know, in, in life. And and George Martin, you know, putting on his accent to get the girls mm. is one of those <laughs> things where you just think... That's kind of what I thought as a kid, you know. Yeah. If you just had a cool accent, then the girls would come flocking, and <laughs> it's just. But he is just kind of absolutely. cool. I do like him though. You know, George Martin yeah. is, is, and the fact that um, he's he's a, he's a great. Cat. He reminds me of like he's the same as like Danny John Jules, the cat. Like he's just sort of like yeah. he has just an aura. But I like it when because you have like Callahan, and when Callahan sort of takes control of him basically and he sort of then he has a conversation with um Mahoney after he's like have you ever been sort of like had a woman just hold you and screw your brains out and he's like no and he's like I did last night he's like what one woman and he's like yeah <laughs> <laughs> and it's just it's it's, it's it is funny and you know they know how to sort of play um play some of these characters up but he is he is um a character I agree actually I I, I miss him from later films because um, I mean, they bring back some odd ones, like Fackler comes back, mm. and I'm mm. just like he—he he and his wife. I'm like I get like he's obviously like the slapstick one, but I'm just like he's not that funny. Like he just doesn't yeah. work. Uh, but yeah, George Martin would have so, been great to come back. Because I, I remember Fackler, he was one of the ones I thought, oh yeah, he's the accident prone, but he's not in it a lot. He, no. and he he does do a couple of accident prone things, which kind of works out in his favour. But I I I remember him being in more kind of once he kind of came on screen, oh yeah, I remember this guy, yeah. This and as I say, he's not really used that much, but then he keeps popping up every now and again. 
Mm. Um, he becomes like a regular. He's, he's in the first. Uh, he's in the first two. I think he might be in the first three actually because yeah, his wife. His wife joins. Yeah. Um, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just looking at IMDb. I just want to go back to Steve Guttenberg. You are 100% right. This came out in 1984, the first one. We'll get into this in a second. But before this, like he's doing, he did a T, he's done some TV movies, he's done some bits and pieces. But like, this is what made him. This, because you get like Police Academy mm. 1, 2, then you get Cocoon, and then you get sort of 3, Short Circuit, uh, Police Academy 4. And then after Police Academy 4, you've got like, uh, you know, Three Men and a Baby. Um, high spirits, cocoon, um, three men and a little lady. Like it's sort of, you know, this is what, yeah, this is what mm. made him, um, mm. really. So it was, yeah. So um, police academy, it was the what allowed him to be that breakout star. So you're definitely right that that was his breakout really thing. It's what defined him. Because um, others you, don't stick around. But would you think in in this day and age, if you were to kind of put him against another character? another actor who would you think he would be so what's I watching it just popped into my mind that if if this was to be remade obviously oh know, I want I want to ask that question I really do right because <laughs> yeah. Chris Pratt it, I, no nah Ryan Reynolds oh okay yeah oh, okay it's that mm. quick witted kind of yeah yeah, yeah. That it does <laughs> And so I think Ryan Reynolds is funnier. I think Ryan Reynolds is funnier, but I agree. Like, because mm. what you you are right. Because one of the films I thought about whilst I was watching this was Van Wilder. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, because it's kind of got that American Pie Van Wilder and, kind yeah, of exactly. You know, yeah. Um, but you're right. I think you know we'll hold on to that thought because we'll come back to that about you know when we've done the sort of the Gutenberg saga, we'll come back to whether or not you think these could be remade, and we'll. Before we go on to the last three, as as the, the you know the lesser ones, especially seven, which <laughs> we'll have a lot to say yeah. about, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, because this goes on, I mean, you know, it's a success. I just want to talk about the finale of this film very quickly. So at the end of this film, we have like this riot, and then you know it all blows up, and 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 you know this riot comes out of nowhere. Um, one of the things I love about films in this era, because I'm not, I think it's supposed to be set in New York, isn't it? Is um, yeah, I think they're meant to be like New New York street cops, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, I like that. I I love early eighties, like late seventies, early eighties New York, like mm. where New York was clearly like almost like a hellscape, <laughs> like it yeah. was a massive city, but it was proper dingy and proper like, you know, um, Death Wish. Yeah, New exactly. York, yeah, Death Wish kind of. Yeah, the Exterminator, like those seventies vigilante films. I love all that stuff. Um, and so I love the end of this film where like it is that sort of like the hooligans just sort of like take over. Um, and I, cause I do want to point out they they call him all the, all he's called in the credits is, and I'm going to find him. Uh, Doug Lennox plays main bad guy. And it's the guy who takes, um, the guns, the guns. Yeah. And he sort of takes, uh, Harris hostage and stuff at the end. Um, so I want to just keep that in mind. I want to keep him in mind, but this whole thing of the sort of the, 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 um, you know, the the riot and stuff and and them doing good. What are your thoughts on this? This the, the end scene because it's almost played like an act. It's trying to play it a bit like an action scene, but not. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on it? Is it is it enough? Is it too little? Math. What are your thoughts on on that? Uh, it it is very. It, I, I, it kind of reminded me of um, like the Warriors film, mm. where kind of you know, and then these just. These gangs of hooligans, it's like all of a sudden, oh, 
the writing. Let's just join in. Um, and it just builds and builds from there. Um, again, I think it, in its time, it, it gives you that nostalgia of, of what they're trying to do. Um, that and I'm trying to think how, I, how Mahoney finishes at the end. He, no, no, no. That I'm thinking of the one where they're in the the pit. They're no, all blended into exactly, one, yeah, really, yeah. don't yeah. they? That's, <laughs> a, that's a, they all kind of ended. That's the second one, isn't it? That's yeah, yeah first assignment. Yeah, because that, that, Zed's not a, a police no. officer at that point. No. Yeah, because that, that's where I had trouble with them. They all kind of ended they all do the, the same, same thing. way. Yeah. And then it's just like credits roll, and that's it. And it, it's, it's trying to, again, limited on plot, really, isn't it? Well, what, that's funny because what I say is actually on that because you're right. It is they're, they're so devoid of plot for the for the most part. They are given. I mean, the first one in particular is just a um, bunch of misfits have to get through academy. You know, make you know make mistakes, and at the end, um, High Tower and Mahoney are the ones that are, the two that have been kicked out are able to make good and get back in. Like that's it. That's literally the plot. At least I'd say with two, three, and four. Well, no, let's say two and three, because four is very much like this, where, um, you know, it's that four is again like weird citizens join the police academy, get thrown out, and then do good at the end. That's that's literally it again. Yeah. Um, but with two and three, at least they try and produce a plot. There's a there's a sort of a, there's a build up of something, especially in two. Two in particular has a there's a sort of like Zed and his gang are, are sort of there throughout the entire film. And so when it sort of comes to the end, it's sort of like it all makes sense. But that's really the only one where it, like you say, that it actually has a build up to anything. The rest is sort of just the finale just sort of happens, <laughs> which mm. is so bizarre. Um, so I, I completely understand why you get them all mixed up. Um, I think you said, though, it, it is just a sketch show, isn't it? So oh God, I yeah, mean, 100%. Yeah. I, and again, I, I love the little bits like the, the two douchebag uh rookie cops you know when they come in and just say shave it all off you know <laughs> and then and then yeah. george martin comes and he's like dig a little bit off the sides yeah <laughs> it's just i love it but uh, you know the riot at the end for me the this first movie it really spells out what the dna of the franchise is going to be you're going to have all these sketches you're going to have certain little moments that are that are funny and live long in the memory and then a lot of blank space in between and then another like really funny bit and something that will live long in the memory mm-hmm. and then at the end there'll be some kind of big set piece where they get to be cops and they get to uh, redeem themselves in some way so I'd, I'd kind of forgotten like uh, Mahoney got chucked out and everything and then had to come back I mean utterly you know uh, unrealistic, isn't it? But we we can go with that. We can forgive that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's lighthearted. It's not supposed to be like it's not a. This isn't like a Scorsese film. Like this isn't heavily, exactly heavily yeah, plot yeah. driven. That's the point. But yeah, it it, it is a sketch film. Hundred percent. It's a sketch. It's a collection of sketches. Um, I mean, it knows what it wants to be. It it, it knows its audience. You know, it's probably teenage boys more than anything else, really, hmm. and that it. it knows where it wants to aim and it knows that it doesn't really need a plot as such. It, it, it just needs to get from one point to other and then uh, a big finale of, you know, look, these guys are actually quite good. 
you know, because um, with Mahoney and Hightower, got, did Hightower get kicked out in this one? Yeah, he gets, kicked, yeah. he gets kicked because yeah. he, he turns the car over. Because, yeah. and the thing yeah, is, yeah. he turns over because of what? Oh, because of Hooks, Co- isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Co- yeah. Copeland, yeah. Copeland shouts something at Hooks, which I'm not going to say on this on this podcast. And then he he, put, he, he lifts and turns the car over um, and goes back to becoming a florist. And then obviously he steps in and helps them at the end of the, in the riot. Um, but yeah, I mean, all right, let's just quickly sort of round out on, on, um, We've talked about that, so we're going to write, let's just round out on Police Academy I, one because before you so say, can go I on. just raise one nitpick? Mm. Right, and it, it, it just the one, me, amazing. And I'd forgotten, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, there are lots to pick, but just at the end, it's obviously halfway through the movie, uh, you get the, the prostitute in the lectern and she's giving Luce, uh, Lieutenant Lassard a, a bit of happy time there. And then Mahoney sticks his head out, and Lassard turns around, and he, th- he thinks it was Mahoney. Mm-hmm. And then he goes off. And then Mahoney, you know, graduates, and he gets his he goes gets up to do his speech at the end, and then you hear the zzzz. yeah. <laughs> you know, so, and then he he looks at Lassard, and and he's like, knowing kind of, haha, I'm getting you back. But Lassard didn't know that. Lassard yeah, yeah, thought yeah. it was Mahoney. And so, Dave, you're giving it far too much credit. (laughs) Well, well, part of me was thinking maybe because Lassard is actually a great detective, maybe he figured it out. But then I'm like, nope, nope, I am definitely overthinking this. But it's one of those I just, for whatever reason, that bit I just can't let go of. No, I I, I agree with what you're saying. I know exactly what you're saying because it's something that always pops into my head and I have to sort of have. in my head canon, because I would say like, you know, oh, he's explained it because he hasn't because up until the end, because um, you could even say, oh, he knows, like they've had to explain everything, you know, and he, he, Mahoney's explained it to him or something. Mm. But he doesn't because he thinks Mahoney's kissing a guy when he's kissing Kim uh, Cattrall. Kim Cattrall. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so, and his, this is one of the things I wanted to get to actually when we go through these films. These films have a weird relationship with continuity (laughs) okay because they have in some areas they maintain and stick with a really detailed continuity and in others it's just completely gone like it doesn't even make any sense and i'm going to give a couple of examples actually in a minute because the reason i wanted to pull out the bad guy in this uh the main bad guy called doug lennox is the name of the actor um, he comes back. He he's actually a returning character. He comes back in three. <laughs> so there's a moment in three um, when they are doing the training, and you know when they go to um, Copeland, sort of takes the new recruits, and they go to um, the the police station, and they're doing a lineup. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a priest yes. and a normal guy and some other stuff. And they point oh, out the guy. Right. The guy that they point out is the guy, is the main baddie from <laughs> the end of Police. That. He's even wearing <laughs> the same T-shirt and everything. And like, wow. like comes on, doesn't it? Yeah, and he sees him. He's like, oh, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. And the guy's like, oh, my God. And he points at the priest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which actually I do find that kind of funny. But he comes back again in that film because he's also the main baddie at the end of the film, you know, when they're robbing everyone 
Mm. Um, and everything. And he says, like, you know, he says, what would, and someone says to him, like, what would your mother think? And she's like, oh, I don't know, ask her. She's over there. And, and the old woman takes a mask off. And she's like, hello. Um, that's the same actor. So they have this, like, we, they have a reoccurring villain come back, um, <laughs> which I thought was bizarre. Uh, and the other thing I wanted to talk about is is that this, I referred to it originally. I was like, I remember each film has a different, um, a different sexy woman, right? So in my head, I was like, oh, I was going to refer to him as the Gutenberg girl, because in my head, I was like, oh, every film has a Gutenberg girl. Like, there's there's someone he gets involved with, like the love interest, mm. and we we sort of peek out in four with Sharon Stone. Um. So in, you know Sharon Stone comes in yeah. as the journalist in in four, oh, yeah. and then in three we have um, I'm just going to looking for her, um, Cadet Adams. So you got like Sean. Oh, she, oh my God, her name's Sean Weatherly. What a fantastic name she has. <laughs> um, but you have Cadet Adams, who's the love interest, right? In two, this is what I, I remember there being a, an attractive, like um, cy- motorcycle cop, and I was like, oh, she must be. Um, the, the Gutenberg girl of two. No, she marries Tackleberry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then she doesn't really... She comes back briefly. It's, it's Officer Kirkland. Uh, Colleen, Colleen Kirkland is the, is the name of the character. She pops up re- less regularly, but her family yeah. re- start to reoccur. That like both her, her... So Tackleberry's brother-in-law joins in three... And then Tackleberry's father-in-law joins the citizens on patrol in four. So, like, it's this weird sort of relationship that this film has with continuity, where, like, all these (laughs) characters keep coming back, yet I don't understand the relationship between sort of uh, Proctor and Harris and and Mauser Mm. and how those people keep coming back and forth. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just this weird, this weird relationship as with continuity for the good people, for the good guys, or even for them, for, for sort of like weird minor, minor characters. Yet, I'm curious about the career of Harris, how he becomes a captain at a, a precinct. And I want to, I really want to know what Proctor's career looks like because he gets bounced, <laughs> bounced around places like mad. But yeah, I just wanted to throw that out that I love the fact that there's weird continuity Easter eggs in these films. Yeah, so. What what I kind of feel like, especially with each movie coming out one year after the next, mm. I kind of feel like it's a case of, right, we've got the roster. We've got all the people who are in the movie. Right. Who's available? Whose schedule fits? We're going to shoot between these dates. <laughs> Who can actually be there? Right. We've got this list of people. Uh, this like Harris, whatever his name is, can't play. Right, we need someone else. Uh, we need a substitute for Harris. Basically, write all the same lines, but it's someone else. Mauser, yeah, that that'll do. Uh, so I feel like the continuity comes from just having those same actors, and it's like, yeah. right, we'll write around that. It's like the fast show, isn't it? You know, you go from series one to series two. It's the same sketches, but you know the the continuity is not there's not a solid continuity line there. No, I'd say I think it's based on availability. Oh, I I I hundred percent agree with you on that one. Like there must have been like you know, yeah, because getting these out year after year for the first six, like the first six are comp- are all in a year, like relentless, a, isn't it? Yeah, has any other franchise done that? Like the only other one that I found was this. the only one I was found that was close that had a consecutive year on year 
for a short time was the Friday the 13th franchise. Mm. That's the only one that got close. Um, and even that trailed off and sort of became a couple of years between them mm. towards the end of the 80s. So, yeah, no, I don't think so. Like this, they they sort of they buttoned down the hatches and were like, we're all in on this police academy train and we're off. Um, so, yeah, no, it's quite impressive that they actually managed to get these out. Um, but like I say, I think because they are sketch shows, it makes it easier, doesn't it? Because you just go, this bit's funny, this bit's funny. And, you know, super glue, right? Super glue sketch one, two, and three. Which yeah. one do we choose for this film? Right, put it in, put it in, put it in. You know, sort of. I, and I think they do do a great job because the the people who don't come back, like George Martin and mm. uh, was it Lindsay, the the big fellow, you know, they replace yes. them with people like I, I forgot from the second one, like Sweet Chucks, is mm. hardly mm. in it. You know, he's he's basically a civilian, and it's in the third one that that he and Zed actually sign up. And so, again, honestly. The, these first four just do uh, once I've got six months down the line, they'll all become one amorphous blob of a movie again. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think they, they plonk them in these new characters really well. And can't remember what the, the guy's name is, but the, the disgusting guy with terrible personal hygiene. Again, the, oh, the bit I, I yeah. was chatting to Chris about this beforehand, but the bit that I always remember is, you know, when he goes into his horrible flea pit of, a, of an apartment and then he's got his cornflakes or whatever, or rice yeah. krispies. And he's like, <laughs> like, oh, come on. The litter box, the litter box. And then he continues <laughs> oh. to eat it. Yeah. And then he just starts eating it again. It's like, oh, <laughs> you know, I didn't like that as a kid, but as an adult, somehow it's worse. But yeah. it, it just lives long in the memory for you. But he's a memorable character. He only appears in the one film. Yeah. But yeah, his name's Vinny St- uh, Stultman, is the character. Vinny Stultman, That's Officer it. Stultman. Yeah, yeah. And he's got the big dog, hasn't he? Yeah, but yeah. The, dog, the dog comes back again, doesn't it, in the... Oh, is it? No, no, it's a different dog. Hightower is a different dog further down. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, because actually we'll talk about Hightower in a minute, actually, Bubba Smith, because... Um, of some of the characters you say that return, um, you know, because like Bobcat Goldthwaite and uh, the guy who plays Chuck, um, Tim Kazazinski, I can't pronounce it, Kaz- bloody hell, it's one of those Polish names, Kazazinski, um, they're actually really good friends in real life. Um, and sort of they've done things like the comedy circuit and all this stuff together. So, and I do think they have like a weird right. chemistry, like they clearly sort of have quite good fun playing off each other, doing different bits and pieces um, and um, become like frenemies throughout this sort of like series, <laughs> don't they? Like, Because by, by the fourth one, they're sort of like, they're almost like partners, but like they clearly hate each other. Um, yeah. It's a love-hate relationship that they have. Yeah. Um, but I kind of find it hilarious. Like, they're some of my favourite characters. Especially like Bobcat, Bob, Bobcat Goldthwaite as Zed is is a... Yeah. He's a, he's a standout. Like after two... And being the villain of two, like the main villain of two, like he should be clearly in prison. And they have to, like in three, there's like a throwaway line of like, oh, he's done his, he's paid his dues. He's now coming to redeem himself. Like they they were like, oh, he's brilliant. Like we want Zed back. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, like he's got this thing. There's some of the, like you say, the characters are sort of like, are the, are the fun of this, isn't it? That's the, pro- that's the thing. It's the real fun of them. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, man. It's like, I mean, we get Mauser in the second one, uh, Lieutenant Mauser. And I actually, I think I preferred him than Harris. Um, oh, yeah, I can see that. 
it did just feel like, oh, how isn't available? Yeah. We'll just let this guy <laughs> It's basically the same role. It's, it's Everything's kind of the same. It's just, just the guy who plays Harris obviously mustn't have been available, so they just slipped this other guy in. And I, I think Mauser, to be fair, was more of a guy that you you kind of like to hate. Yeah. And I think he, I preferred him as kind of the bad guy. Uh, I mean, especially some of the stuff they do to him. Um, mm. I mean, the, <laughs> <laughs> the super glue in the shower scene is, is brilliant. Um, brilliant. <laughs> I, thought, I, I mean, I, I was a bit worried at one point we were going to see a little bit more of him than what um, I remembered. Uh, there's, a, there's a few camera shots for you, which you think. He clearly didn't have anything on. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I I, I was quite impressed. You know, this is the, those weird things where you do they just sort of, um, yeah, like you say, he's clearly like you know bias naked. And you're like, wow, that's pretty brave to be doing that. Mm. Like I'd be down the gym, like you know, right, okay, I've got to get ripped for this. <laughs> um, he is he is more of a villain than Harris, and because you're right, because weirdly it would make more sense for Harris to have become um, the commandant of the sort of the other academy for three than Mauser. But I do think Mauser works better because he's more of a creep, isn't he? Sort of like, mm. um, Harris is a sleaze, a sleaze and, 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 and isn't a great guy, but like, I don't know, there's something more creepy about Mauser. Like I just, you know, you get the thing, he's more likely to stab you in the back than, than Harris. Yeah. Well, Harris, think- sorry. Sorry, I was just going to say, I think Harris, he, he's like, he reminds me of the drill sergeant from Full Metal Jacket. Mm. You know, that that is, you know, he's a police version of that for me. So he is trying to make the the department the best that it can be in mm. his way. You know, that that is what motivates him. Whereas Mauser just wants to sit on the top of the tree. He wants the power. So he's trying to sabotage the things that are going on around him. I think that is what makes him a better villain. Mm. But I do, I do. When I think of Police Academy, I do think of Harris more than Mauser. But you're right. On this rewatch, he was a bit sleazier, you know, a bit more villainous in in some of his actions. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, no, go on, Ma- Mauser, Mauser is more of a he will step on anyone to get to the top, whereas Harris. He wants to be recognised. He wants to, you know, to move up the ranks. But he also wants what's best for the police department. And I think that's where the difference is. You know, he he does have a line of how far he will go. Whereas you feel that Mouse would basically, you know, sell his own mother uh, to get where he wants to get to. No, I think you're really. I think you're absolutely right about that because I think, think, think because obviously Harris isn't in three, and, and that's the one where it's actually mm. the the two um, <clears throat> competing against each other. The two academies are competing against each other, and I do get the feeling like if you had Harris in that film, he would have sort of you'd have ended up redeeming him because he would have had to, mm. had to have sided with Mahoney and that crew. Like he and I think he would have done. I think he would have like, you know. Um, I don't know. It feels like he would have had pride in being part of Lassard's academy, um, at least in part. At least, so yeah, you're in. I, I agree. Like Mauser clearly feels like you say he would happily um, throw anybody under the bus in order to sort of like yeah to climb the tree and impress yeah. like the the commissioner or whatever. Um, so yeah, it, it, you know, he obviously doesn't come back because Harris then becomes he comes back. Harris comes back in four, and then he becomes like the ongoing sort of character 
Um, but like you say, it's one of the things I find interesting as well. It's clear that they they have like favorites that keep coming back. Like they keep refining that crew, don't they? Like you know, like okay, this person's been a, mm. like because um, Callahan doesn't come back for two, and I'd forgotten that. Mm. So uh, Leslie Eastbrook does not come back for two, which is a real shame because like Callahan's is one of those women that's sort of like scary, but. Yeah, she's scary, but like you know, like clearly, like really attractive. Like I'm, I, yeah, I'm sort of, I'm down. We you know when she's sort of beating people up and they, she pins them down, and everybody else is like me next. I'm like, oh no, no, me, me. Like yeah, I'm, I'm there as well. Yeah. Like, I've got hands up. Um, it's quite clear they do two, and then they refine that group again, don't they? They're like, okay, who who are we mm. going to bring back? And then in four, like who are we going to bring back? And it's sort of they're refining that group. It's good with her though, because although. To a certain degree, she's kind of used as a sex, a sex object, but also she's very powerful, and that so mm. it, it, it kind of flips between them both. They, it, they obviously knew what they were doing there. You know, she's got a couple of good assets there that's going to kind of get people, in, <laughs> you know, interested in, in that. But she's that strong female, yeah. You know, I mean, the other, uh, I think we, you're right. Go on. We, sorry, it's like we've got hooks. And we all love hooks because she's this timid little thing, and then she just finds a voice when she needs to, and that. But Callahan is that you know she's that strong person that I think you know it, it, it's what you need in the film mm. uh, to be able to kind of get away with some of the sexual, you know, scenes in it. No, you've actually that's a really good point actually that you make because in order to I think sometimes with this the reason you know less about the sort of the homophobia because I think that's where it's sort of in, you know, it really is problematic but even like some of the sex politics or gender politics of this like Callahan although she is there to be ogled in like she's treated almost as a sex object but like you say she's also incredibly sex positive mm. like mm. you can ogle her but like she will kick your ass in doing so. And then she's the one that calls out George Martin in the first one. Um, and like, you know, she's, and she's like, no, I'm going to have sex with this man. Cause you know, whatever. And it's, it's sex positive. Like she's not called out as being, I mean, I'm sure there's some policy somewhere about a, 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 an instructor sleeping with the cadets, but <laughs> I don't care. Like she's, she's actually very sex positive. And then when she comes back and she sleeps with, uh, is it in three, there's uh, the Gato, yeah. the, the, the Japanese, um, yeah, yeah, because uh, that I, I, I want yeah, the Japanese exchange. Student, I wanted to get to that because again, the racism there, like again, like he's treated fairly when he gets to the academy because it's the academy, like Lasan's academy is the odd bods, isn't it? That's where the sort of the misfits yeah. go. But she ends up sleeping with him again because he's he knows martial arts and he's sort of that sort of thing. And like again, she's very sex positive, actually. And like you say, she takes part in the action at the end, like she's fighting alongside. All the others, and there's no, there's, at no point is there like, oh Callahan, you know, get down. Like she's just as part of the action. So, yeah, it doesn't it, seem to be. I, I think where we where the the series falls down more than anything else is the homophobic side. I think everything yeah. else, and uh, again, that's unfortunately the era that it was set in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they probably looked at it and thought we're going to have these jokes in. But we need to have a. It's like the racist jokes, but then you have the looks of, you know, what Hightower does in the first one when he tips the car. You know, the fact that Hooks, you know, she becomes, you know, that kind of strong person as well, where she, 
she, she's arresting people and she's, you know, she finds a voice and that. So they knew to tick them boxes and they probably thought at that point with the homophobic side, that can slide a bit. Whereas I think if you watch them at these nowadays, that would be addressed a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, hundred percent. I think you're right. And this, you know, we're going to get, I think we're getting close to the point of sort of the question I want to ask and that, but I think you're right. I think weirdly like this, the homophobia of this is the, is the, is the real problem. Um, in, it, I think it's just the eighties. I just think in the eighties, again, like, you know, this, this is the AIDS era. This is sort of, cause let's be clear, like as well, like the eighties wasn't hugely homophobic in other ways. Like, you know, if you if you there was a masculinity to being flamboyant and stuff like look at any glam rock band or like boy george or like you know or anything like it was there in your face sort of thing yet there was this sort of denial this almost like going the other way wasn't there to sort of to sort of try and uh push it push back against it so i don't know it's it's an odd one it's a real sort of oddity with like the homophobia in this in these in the whole films because but then also the racism like um as well is like you say it's it's sort of it's there's an acceptance it's, like it shows that Lasage is almost accepting because the way Mauser talks to Nagato and all the sort of like the Japanese jokes he makes like uh, you know you were saying about going too far like in that scene where he sort of calls him out and he starts making all these sort of like Japanese or Jap Japanese centric sort of like racist jokes I was a bit like has I was like has this even has this gone too far. Like is Mauser now just like not even funny as a villain? Like is mm. he just an absolute prick? Like is it, is, you know, and there's a few times of that, but that was the one scene where I was like, this really feels like they've taken this too far um, with like racist humor. I don't know. Anyway, what are your thoughts yeah, I, on that? I, I think they tried to push that envelope, and maybe that I think because. Maybe because is it now got to he, he doesn't come back with anything as such to Mauser. Whereas, mm. it, it, like the Hightower one, Hightower responds, you know, there's no comeback until further down, you know, into the film where he then kind of, you know, I mean, there's a, the, is it in the third one when there's a fight on the boat? Yes. And um, there's Jones and the, the kind of, the both, the fight together and then they walk off all. So we obviously know he's a badass. We, we and we accept him. You know, it's just again. I think there's certain things back in the eighties that didn't know how to deal with them. And, I don't, yeah, um, I don't think they cared. Actually, <laughs> that's the thing because it's weird. It's weird because the thing is like the Science Academy is accepting. That's the thing, though, isn't it? Like, because the moment Nagato turns up and the taxi driver's trying to rip him off, you know, seven hundred dollars yeah. for the taxi ride. Um, instantly, like you know, Mahoney and Hightower sort of step in, and then they're just like, "Oh, sign up this way." Like you know, there's no sort of like you know, it's just, "Oh yeah, you're in. You're you're here to sign up. We'll give you an opportunity." You know, it's about the films weirdly are about about acceptance. Um, but the but the villains always seem to be just that little bit too far, and obviously because of sort of the era, even the even the heroes sometimes feel a little bit, you know, like, "Oh, we're accepting of everyone, uh, except them." <laughs> Mm. But it's same as in um, in four with citizens mm. on patrol. Uh, Hightower and Mahoney's talking obviously, and this big black guy on a motorped pulls up, and it's like, oh, it's little Tommy. Oh, I can't remember what he's called, but you know, it, I used to bounce me on the knee, 
He says, really? Yeah. House. Then, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and, and obviously he does that bit where he picks up the scooter and he walks off with it. But again, <laughs> it's like, sign up over there. Come on. You know, you, you're part of us. Anyone can do this. And that's why we kind of cheer them because they are so accepting the fact that, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. This is where it kind of gets with it because it doesn't matter who you are. We will find a spot for you. We, yeah, and that seems to be the general sort of like theme of them, isn't it? Like that's supposed to be the positivity of these films. Is and I almost, I almost think this is why these films haven't been cancelled. I, I, I often think they've been forgotten for the most part as well, which is probably for the best for some people. But these haven't, been, you know, where other things have sort of. Um, resurfaced like you'll get someone on tiktok or somewhere being like hey hang on mm. i've just watched this film from 1986 i've just watched police academy 3 have you seen this oh my god how is this available today sort of like you know and someone will rail against it i think although there are things to rail against i think because this film generally is about acceptance and the ragtag bunch of mis- misfits like making good and actually proving that they are sort of like good for the cause um, it's sort of like you say, it, it sort of treads that line very, very finely and sort of unfortunately sort of treads either side of it a little bit, you know, on either side. But yeah, I think that's why it's been able to survive is because generally it's all in good, um, it's, it's, good, it's meant to be good natured, isn't it? I, I think maybe the, the Zoomers just don't go back that far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I honestly, I think that's what it is. So, like I've seen multiple times now where uh, the first Tobey Maguire Spider-Man where he says something to the wrestlers, Macho Man, wasn't it? And he says, oh, something about your boyfriend or something like that. And it's like, mm. history will judge you, Spider-Man, or, or whatever it is, you know. But that's like 2002. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's like in their lifetime-ish, you know, I, Whereas you go back into the nineties and definitely into the eighties, I just don't think they go that far. No. So no. I, I, I think someone on TikTok could pull out multiple scenes in this and say, Oh my god, this is shocking. Our dads think this is funny. <laughs> <laughs> I did think that when you were saying about that, like they go back to like, you know, when you said about them going back to spider-man and i was like yeah oh my god yeah we are, we have now got to a general we're now an age <laughs> where i am like you know yeah those silly kids um you, <laughs> you 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 are right actually i think this is protected simply by being over 30 years old yeah i think, I I think you know they, there are people just coming into the workforce now aren't they who mm. were born in what 2004 yeah it's, I mean, it's like yeah. radio station. Uh, we had radio two on at my mum's the other day, and like some 80s rock came on, and I thought, I'm that old that radio <laughs> two is now playing the stuff that I used to listen to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, my I'm god, like, <laughs> yeah, that's it, gentlemen. We have reached the age where our childhoods have now become classic rock. That's yeah. the <laughs> which, which is not a bad thing. No, um, no, I'm quite happy I, with it, but. Yeah, I, I'm. I think I know what question you're going to probably ask near the end of this. I'm trying to skirt around, um, but I, I do think that throughout the films we do have, you know, we do have 
people of colour and we have people, you know, females, mm. they kind of really push forward. And for all there is the racist and the sexist stuff, there's a positive side to it. I think the thing that they're lacking is a, there isn't a gay person in this. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's why when there are the homophobic jokes there, it's why nowadays they don't work. Yeah. Because there's nothing to really... I mean, although the blue voice of art, it, you do see... It, it's, it's so amusing, the fact that, you know, they get them and they're dancing around and that. So it, it, although it does defend itself that way, you don't have a character to kind of root for. To counter for it, to counter those yeah. sorts of things. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. What I would say is as well, if you did have a, a gay character in this, if you, and obviously in 84, if you've ever watched <laughs> anything around, if you, the, the, when you were saying that, to, in my head, I was thinking of like, if you've ever seen, uh, is it Beverly Hills Cop 2? Um, has mm. uh, the guy... Oh. Um, Oh, it's not um, Franco, is it? Uh, uh, you know who I'm talking about. The, yeah, he makes in the coffee, and um, yeah. you know he's like, "You're joking." He's like, I'm not. I'm not joking. It's yeah. so really elaborate. <laughs> and then the other guy, and then I'm also thinking about the film Mannequin, which is also a Kim Cattrall film. Um, hmm. And there's a gay character in that, and they're, they're, but they're sort of like super flamboyant, aren't they? He's called Hollywood in um, in uh, in uh, Mannequin, and so you have that sort of like super flamboyant sort of like gay character, like you, you know, that would have been they had they'd have gone. That's the way it would have gone. And if anything, I think it would have made things worse. And so yeah, I don't think you could get you know. I'm glad I'm sort of glad they didn't have a gay character because I think mm. it would have been too far, and you'd have had sort of like the super sort of um, flamboyant too, too gay character. The... Uh, yeah, exactly. It would be yeah. too stereotyped, and in doing that, I think it would be like. Okay, that's when that's when this would have come up again. Like you know, that's where this film would have been hunted down and, and destroyed. Um, you it, are it right. It would have been some sort of John Inman character, wouldn't it? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. And I mean, but then Freddie Mercury. Freddie Mercury was so flamboyant, but he didn't care, and that he was quite happy. In, I think also the fact that the rest of the band accepted him. Mm. And, and to a certain he didn't care what other people thought, you know. Well, he didn't out himself until later in the eighties either, though, did he? Really? Mm. No. I mean, but you're right, and, and I think there's others, but like there were known gay people, but it was often, often, you know, I'm trying to think of like even the, like remember the Carry On films, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, I forget the guy's name now, but like. There were there were there was people in the show business that were openly gay, but it was like almost Kenneth like, Williams. Kenneth Williams, thank yeah. you. That's what I was thinking. <clears throat> so you're right, but I don't. I just think because this is an American Hollywood film, I think they would have gone the full, too you know, much. too much. And that's all, I'm sort of so it's it's probably a good thing they didn't have that character because I think it would have been too far. It, it would probably end up being like um, in Con Air when you have the exactly the Mexican who puts he puts the dress on and then slaps him and it's oh oh yeah exactly. But that's worse. a bit where it goes a little bit too far. Yeah, it would have been, yes, exactly. There'd have been the scene of like, you know, let me make this uniform more comfortable or something. And then, yeah. you know, there'd have been something like that. So, yeah, it wouldn't have been good. Um, I mean, because you, you go through the films, as we said, we've gone through most of them sort of like, you know, the, as you said, the plots are irrelevant. And I think even the climaxes are mostly irrelevant. They sort of happen for a purpose. They're there to sort of redeem the characters, aren't they? To show they're good and they do the good thing. Each of them does that, like, you know. Um, 
and there's no need to go into detail because I think we've sort of gone into the theme of these. But the, like you say, the characters themselves are the point. Like, I want to sort of quickly before we do sort of touch on the question I am going to get to for the Mahoney years. Um, is like you say, these characters stand out. Like we've talked about Gutenberg as Mahoney, there's Tackleberry, which who is clearly like crazy. Like he is, you know, like I'm, I don't know, but there's something wrong with Tackleberry. Um, <laughs> you get the Kirkland family who like to he's, point. He's each probably other. the closest to someone in the American police force. Oh no, 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 no! Clearly, like oh, you, you, as I said, you couldn't have Tackleberry today. Like Tackleberry would not work as a 21st century character. Um, but you like you know um, you talked about Jones like Jones mm. clearly clearly sort of like is is again is one of my favourites. Um, I like the fact that they expand the Jones character because he just starts with doing that motormouth Jones like he makes all the noises yeah. and stuff like that was his stick wasn't it? And then they but then they make him like the kung fu one later on because he does the like the martial arts stuff because he does almost like the the dubbed movie stuff and I think that's I, great but so so good and and again like. If you show, forget all of the things that are problematic, but if you showed kids now just that scene, it's just not funny. Mm. Because you've not grown up with the dubbed kung fu movies. You have yeah. to have watched the dubbed kung fu movies yeah. to realize what the gag is. The badly but dubbed I, kung fu films on VHS. Exactly. And so <laughs> I, I love that. I, I, again, in my head canon, it was all over the place, but I love the fact that they just introduced that from nowhere into two. But then mm. that becomes part of the police academy canon, doesn't it? Because mm. it, it reoccurs throughout. So... No, I did like that. That he's suddenly a martial arts master, essentially, and can take out anyone. Yeah, they do because they do bring. Because yeah, I, I love the fact it becomes part of his character. Like you said, this is the thing with like these films have like a weird relationship with continuity. Like something that was clearly a bit of a gag for for two becomes like a character defining thing for the, for the rest mm. of the series. So um, yeah, no, I think it works, and I think it works. You know, like. Um, the same with like the thing with like the, the thing with Tackleberry. I, I wonder because you say about him being the most thing. The thing with Tackleberry is like he again. He's another one that's sort of like you know doof, douche not douchebag sorry like a doofus that makes good. But him having that massive gun, you know, like when he has this sort of like mm. huge sort of like the Magnum or whatever it is, and how he uses that. Like there's a scene in the start of two when some kid won't get out to go to school. Oh yeah, because the yeah. films the films also like have this weird thing of like you know they're they're, they're funny because the first one's funny but it ne it's never it's never clownish it's never like ridiculous like apart mm. from Fackler it's never like hugely ridiculous but in the second one it literally opens with him and he pulls his gun out and he's got a little rocket on the end of it that's like a gas grenade <laughs> <laughs> it's like it. Hawkeye isn't he <laughs> yeah exactly like he's got like a little gas grenade on the on the end of his gun and he fires it into the car so it is it's a very weird like tonally as well but like you say it's um that then becomes a thing doesn't it like you know you'll do that now mister because then he becomes like every film is tackleberry threatening someone with his massive gun yeah. for something that's not massive like it's a kid not wanting to go to school it's a, it's a person not putting their putting their cigar out and all that sort of stuff so they have sort of like character gags that, that come up throughout and so uh, you're right they define the characters um but I kind of like that. I do. I find I, this thing. I find the characters endearing, um, and and so that's what that's where the film sticks with me. I like seeing the characters. Yeah. Um, that's that's where I think the films shine. Uh, any final thoughts? And before I sort of ask the the final question for these you, films, 
I found it quite interesting because, like, um, throughout the films, you kind of get two of the same characters in a way. It's like with Jones, you get um, I've forgotten his name now. Uh, we do some fighting with is it Naga? Oh, Nagato. Yeah. Nagato, right. Um, Hightower has house. Uh, house. Mm. Or you could even argue Sweet Truck. Yes. You know, oh, because uh, yeah, they seem to pair up, didn't they? The third they, one. They pair yeah. up. I mean, uh, the, the singing karaoke together and the dance. Yes, I kind of like that scene as well. Sweet Truck and Zed are kind of together. But then you've also got with, uh, with Tackleberry, there's uh, Mrs. I've lost her name now. Um, Mrs. Is it Fe- Mrs. Feldman, the old woman? Yeah, is it Feldman? In four. Yeah, yeah, Mrs. Feldman. Mm. She's kind of then the gun crazy. Yeah. You know, oh, let, let let me shoot that, and then she he lets her shoot it, and she ends up flying just back backwards. Yeah. <laughs> and so it, it's amusing that you have these characters, but then they do kind of pair them off with the same. Mm. And that, which you know, I mean, Mahoney's a bit of a different one, but then even other girls that he kind of goes for, they do kind of play him back a bit as well. Yeah, they do, and this thing they but they, they always they always tend to pair Mahoney with. I mean, he has Jones, like he's always with Jones for the most part. Yes. But he Mahoney gets paired with the attractive woman for the most part, the you know, the Gutenberg girl, as I think I'm going to refer to her for <laughs> for this podcast. And I think that's the um, uh, the sort of the that's the, his love, the love interest, isn't it? That's the sort of thing. So, um, yeah, no, it's a good point though. They do, they sort of pair them off, don't they? So they can have those similar jokes and, and, you know, they can have the sort of the, the oddball or the, the, the opposites, like you say, Zed and Chuck, uh, Sweet Chuck or Hightower and Sweet Chuck and all that sort of stuff. So, but and a lot of it works. I think it works kind of well for the most part. Um, but we but are going to, was- there was oh, one other moment that I did like in, in four is the bit where uh, Lucia's gone to England yeah. and sat on the table with everybody. Yeah. Um, all the goldfish. And they all get up. Yeah. <laughs> all the goldfish. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, so dumb, isn't it? I've been teaching <laughs> <It's> them. <funny. laughs> and it's just, again, it's that silly little things that are just, it, it is like a comedy sketch. We're just going to throw things together and it's going to get put in a film and it'll work. Yeah, I, I actually want to call out George Gaines because he obviously, you know, he gets, he's, he's obviously, they, his screen time is reduced as the films sort of go on because he's obviously getting um, older and older. But he's a, he's a joy. Like, again, he's another one that's sort of like, it's clear that he's clearly like insane, um, but he's a joy to, to watch. Um, and, and some of the things he does is, is brilliant. Um and like when um, he's he's in, is it in th- either three or four? Um, no, it's four, and they're doing the citizens on patrol thing, and mm-hmm. it, it's Zed who's prompting him to do it. So it's like when he sort of he says it's going to be forty weeks, he's like forty weeks, and he just sort of copies the Bobcat Goldthwait way of talking. And stuff yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> it's, so, he's like a Leslie Nielsen kind of. Yes, from, he, from, he is uh, police squad, isn't he? <clears throat> that's what the kind of playing matters. Yeah, I mean, I could imagine Leslie Nielsen playing this kind mm. of sort of thing. Um, but uh, yeah, no, you're right. I think there's, there's, that's what I'm saying. There's so many characters in this that sort of stand out, which is why I think it, you have that nostalgia for it. Because even if the comedy doesn't work, like sometimes the characters work. Again, like the bit where in in 
uh, for where where um, Zed is going to the poetry group. He goes to the Women's Institute meeting <laughs> and to start for the poetry reading. Like it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's it's so stupid. But I, I still chuckle when I see it. Um, I also just want to comment before we move on to the final question. Um, Police Academy Four is a uh, a film a p- first first appearance for two people of note. Um, uh, David Spade. It's his first Hollywood role. And Tony Hawk is one of the uh, skateboarders at the start of the film. Uh, I didn't spot him, but I did spot David Spade. And I was like, bloody hell. Yeah. (laughs) It was a weird skateboarding David Spade. So, yeah, that was was a bit strange. It's his first movie appearance. You you could see the uh, the obviously a stuntman for for it's like BMX bandits, wasn't it? Where he's got yeah. a slightly bigger but, body shape. Yeah. <laughs> but the guy that is with the um, Ar- Arnie, is it? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. He he's, he does his own stunts from looks of it. Unless they're really good with um, the camera work, there it definitely looks like him. No, Whereas, I think it is. I think you're right. But yeah, yeah, yeah. David Spade. It's just someone with a blondish hair and a. Picture. Well, originally, this is the thing I learned from the facts, and I watched a couple of the behind the scenes things on the disc. So Tony Hawk was to was was brought in to be the David Spade um, skateboarding double, but then when he turned up, he was a foot taller than David Spade, and they were like, "We can't use we can't use him, but we'll still use him because he's a great skateboarder." So he was in the scenes, mm. but they had to get somebody else to do. Um, to be the stunt double because yeah he was just too tall <laughs> um which is kind of funny so yeah but anyway let's so let's get to that final question because we're sort well, of can i just add a, a couple of really of quick things so because i have watched a couple of other 80s things in this last week and what i realize is the 80s hated punks like punks were really bad guys all the time mm. And I think Matthew spotted one that was a dead ringer for Chris Phelps. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> all these teenage punks were clearly about 30 odd. But um, <laughs> no, it's just a weird theme. And and I loved it when Mahoney, you know, his way of getting in the gang was just to act like a complete maniac. <laughs> you know, he just went so over the top. Yeah. The jughead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I thought that was brilliantly over the top. But again, one of my favourite bits, and there are lots and lots of highlights out of all of this, but we've talked about Bobcat there, or Zed. And when he gets with uh, Laura, you know, Mm. they have that moment. And, you know, she's absolutely stunning. And he's just giving the the, the <laughs> facial expressions into the camera. I just think it's brilliant. And then he's dancing through the meadow. I just think it's fantastic. I was literally crying at that bit. I just I, thought with, so with that funny. bit though, when he spins her and he's yeah. yeah. on the floor, and you think, Oh, this is a bit better than a bit. I'm gonna be sick. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna puke. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like they'd know the characters. I think, and I, I wonder how much he's ad libbed. I mean, they've, like you say, yeah, they've gone to like obviously Bobcat. They've said like right, prance towards the camera, and he's done it all and stuff. And so, and he's because yeah. he was he was obviously a stand up comedian, and he, he's gone on to be a director and stuff. So he gets it. Um, but there's so many of them that just do that, and I think, like you say, I wonder how much of this was ad libbed or sort of like little mm. bits and pieces. Um, especially later as other people come in. So no, that's a good point. Any any other points you want me to make before we sort of get to that final question? No, that's it for no. me. 
Okay, let's get to that final question because we've because I want to talk, I want I do separate out one to four and then five to seven as two different sort of like blocks, not just for ease of retrospective, but they are definitely of a piece. <clears throat> um, do you think then you could make Police Academy today, and not just don't just not just remake, but that could you do a Police Academy film today? And if so, um, how? When I started watching them. No. Having talked about it, yes, I think you could. Because mm. I think they could address... It, it, it's like, you know, straight away I was thinking these are quite homophobic, these are quite sexist, these are quite racist. But with us talking about it, you realise that they do deal with some of them subjects. So if they were to do it these days, it would be, it would be slightly different, you know. But they could address that and they could probably put a decent spin on it. Um, in a way, we've had films like that, you know, with the American Pies and that, you know, so it, it would, it is possible, you would just have to get someone who knows how to write it the right way. And, and again, you'd have to have the right cast yeah. um, to, to be able to pull it off. You know, if everyone's on board with what, what the idea of the film's going to be, it could easily be done. I mean, you know, we're getting up shit as it is anyway with some of the films that we get out there. But, <laughs> uh, you know, I do think, you know, you get you get several comedians. I mean, you get Chris Rock or, you know... Um, Chris Rock, you, you, we are so raging now. I don't think Chris Rock is down with the kids anymore. Like Chris Rock's in yeah. his, his 50s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. This um, up-and-coming edgy comedian, <laughs> Richard uh, Pryor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we, we'll help Richard Pryor. Um, not Chris. Uh, Kevin Hart, that's it. Sorry, yeah. I meant Kevin Hart. Uh, yeah. he, he would be ideal for something like this. Yes. You know, like I said, Ryan Reynolds. Chris Pratt, there are certain actors that I could see that you could probably have in this. You know, for uh, Lassard, I could quite easily see... Um, God, this is point my brain's completely blank. Um, <laughs> plays Elf. Will Ferrell! Will yes, Farrell. thank you. Will, Will Ferrell was in my head. I, yes, Will Ferrell would be perfect. I'm sure... If you know, we could sit down and probably pick out certain characters that could do these kind of things. Tackleberry, um, Tackleberry, you could have John Cena do that. You know, he's, he's he did a film called The Marine. He's he's a big mm. guy. He, you know, he's not uh, too far from Peacemaker, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. Are, yeah, they could easily do this if it and. To be fair, if it was done right, I could see that, and it would be quite positive. I think you know, so. Yeah, I it, really... it's it's scary because I think I I put in Discord and we're watching the same. These are not good, <laughs> but when you start kind of stripping them down, um, you realise that actually there's a lot more to this than what you first give it credit. Everyone always remembers that. Like I say instantly goes. So I think to sort of the. I'll say the negatives and the stuff that doesn't work, but really, I think there's a lot that does work. So I think you're right. I think you know. Before I get into my sort of thing, I agree with everything you said. And Will Farrell completely crossed my mind. That's exactly who I was thinking for sort of like a Lassard kind of character. Dave, what do you think? 
brilliant fan casting by the way I, I wouldn't have thought of any of those but especially the Will Ferrell one I think that's brilliant um so for me we were a bit a bit more naive in the 80s not just because we were kids but I think just generally as a as a society as a culture so you know having this ragtag mob uh thrown together and sort of rubbing against the grain. So there's the establishment, and then you've got this this group of misfits, and then they they come good. That is a the essence of that is a brilliant story, and I think you could redo it. I don't think anyone in Hollywood rightly would touch doing the police right now. Hmm. <laughs> Just I I think it's the wrong kind of thing. But you could like you could put a sci-fi spin on it. You know I don't want to copy the the orville but you could make it so it's some kind of sci-fi futuristic police let, or let something like there. that let, let me stop you there right before you do it because I'm, I'm gonna throw it so you say sci-fi guardians of the galaxy is this true yeah very mm. true I so think, um yeah yeah I, I was thinking more low budget i was thinking more Red Dwarf budget, the mm-hmm. <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy budget, but yeah, I, th- I think that's the only way you could do it. But that's that's just with it being the police. I I just don't think you you could. It wouldn't land in the same way if you had all these different sketches and stuff. Because, like I say, it's the essence of it is just misfits coming together within an establishment that that doesn't really want them there. So you know that the essence of that, I think, is is a good story. No, I, yeah, I think, agree. Go on, Matthew. Do you think you could get away with it if they turned it and made it into like the army, and that if they kind of spun it that way, um, a bit like uh, is it Hacksaw with Clint Eastwood? That's a great you film know, as well. He, he takes a bunch of misfits basically, which like Police Academy, and turns them into something you know which you don't mm. expect. What we know what they're going to be, but film wise, you don't expect them to be there. So, yeah, being the police could be an issue, but maybe if they took it down a different route, like the army, you know, the navy, which, you know, wherever they want to go that way. You're right, because I think, by the way, Hacksaw Ridge, great deep cut. I love that film. And it was, it, 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 that also sort of crossed my mind. I was thinking, oh, that was a serious version of this film, like, mm. <clears throat> um, which also has a sort of a finale, like a finale that comes out of nowhere for no good reason. But, um, because uh, you're right, because they have done this in other ways. Like, there's a film called uh, Down Periscope with uh, the Terz Kelsey Grammer, uh, and that's what they do it as a submarine crew, which is a similar thing. Um, and um, I'm trying to think, there are other ones like this, are Stripes, even Stripes, obviously, which obviously mm. Bill Murray and Bill Murray and, and Harold Ramis has done a similar thing, and that was with the army, but that was a bit more of the comedy, that was more like SNL style comedy. Uh, I, I think you're right. I think there's an acceptance way of this. What I would say is, he's saying, Dave, what you're saying about, you know, you can't really do it now because the police and the position of the, the police in America at the moment. And I agree. I think it would be a brave person to take it on at the moment. And and, and to Math's point as well, like you need a very, almost like a really nuanced script of to how to do this. However, <clears throat> I, always, I always think back to after 9-11, and this is a weird Solid point, but after 9-11, I read an article, and this was probably sort of early 2002 when this came out, that basically said, action movies are done. There, there can be no more American action movies. Like, we can never do this again. We've had this massive tragedy. We've seen this thing. We are never going to have action movies again. 
And this article is all about this. Or I've still got it somewhere. I've printed it off and I've kept it. It's this fascinating point of like, you know, how can we show this on the bit? How can we have this as entertainment now that we've had this massive tragedy? And it's it's true. We, we sort of like, whilst that tragedy is still held and memorialised, like we moved on and we carried on doing action films. Like within two years, everyone was like back on the action train. And as you said, they get that slight bent. <clears throat> and it's the same with sort of like uh, Vietnam. Like, you know, all of it, like after Vietnam, sort of like you, you have sort of the films that... Um, not so much politicise it, but you have those sort of films that start to analyse it. Platoon. Um, it took a while though, didn't it? It, it did, like, you it know, was, yeah. It, it was yeah. sort of first blood for me, the 82 that made America look at it a different way. Yeah. And well, then you, the, the, you got that kind of wave of yeah, uh, well, Vietnam it, movies. Just, you, just before that, you get like The Deer Hunter and then you get mm, like, True, yeah, yeah, And then yeah. you get True Blood, uh, True, you get... Um, First blood, blood, and then you, true blood. Yeah, you get first blood, <laughs> and then and then you get obviously get like you say platoon and so on and so forth. Um, but then you start to sort of it can become satire and stuff. So I do think, give it given time, maybe you know maybe we've said like you know obviously the the we it was twenty twenty really when all the you know with George Floyd and and the the notable police brutality. Coming into 2023 and you have a little bit of distance, maybe 2024 will probably be better with a little bit of distance. If you had that nuanced script that could do it as satire and do it as commentary, as well as being a comedy, like have those right characters. And I think you'd have to have, um, you know, make it update those characters. You need the sort of the entry point character. I don't care what you say. You'd need a, a, like a, a cool kid kind of like the, you know, the rogue that everyone sort of like can, you need the Mahoney character, like, and I'm not saying who that, I don't know who that could be, but like, you need that kind of character. But then you, the misfits could be anything. You could have all kinds of things, address trans rights, address sort of like you know um, LGBTQ kind of things, race race rights, and all this other stuff like women's rights. Like, there's so much you could do with this, but you and you could do it funny, and it could be hilarious. I think it could do it really well, but you need to be. There's two things. There's, it's where you'd have to be clever and you have to be really sort of brave. And I think you have to be quite confrontational with some of that humour. So I think it could be quite an interesting thing to do. And I think I'd like to see it come back. And with it, you know, like obviously all these legacy sequels, you know, you, like we've had like um, where they bring back, they revisit the characters. Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai, exactly. Great example. You know, um, Michael Winslow's back in show business. He took some time off, but he's back in show business. Mark, uh, Steve Guttenberg's still out there. You know, I think that there's, there's, you know, quite a few that have actually passed on by now, actually. But like Bobcat Goldthwait's still out there. There's all kinds of cameos that could be done still, or bring them back as a sort of the handover character. You know, I think it'd be quite interesting. Make Mahoney the chief of police. So that'd be quite, that'd be amazing. Make him the commissioner. Like he, make he actually, him Lassard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, make him Lassard <laughs> or something. Like that'd yeah. be quite interesting. Um, you know, so I don't know. I just think, I think that, I think it could be done, but you're right. I think is it, it, it happy, very sensitive. And I think you'd have to be um, no blue oyster or. You see, I think that they'd probably change Blue Oyster to RuPaul's Drag Race or something like that. You know, yeah. It's, yeah. Which. Okay. Let's get to before you before you quit drag race. Let's get to let's get to see, uh, um, uh, mission to Moscow before we talk about drag because yeah <laughs> it, it it does come up. <laughs> they did a series of Police Academy, didn't they? I, I remember mm. see, seeing it. I, I didn't look too much into it because I thought oh, I don't know if I want to watch that as well. Uh, but th there was a series, so I don't know whether any of the characters kind of went across into that or not. 
I can tell you now. So they did they they did a short lived uh, sitcom, which lasted I think like eight episodes, and it's 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 awful. Don't watch it. Uh, none of the characters go across. Uh, there's there are I think there are two um, cameos. Uh, one of them being Sweet Chuck, and one of them being uh, Jones. Marvel uh, Jones makes a cameo in the first episode. So the, the, and that was it. Um, and then uh, they also did the cartoon series, which only lasted six episodes, I think, and maybe maybe a little bit longer. But uh, that is also awful. Um, <laughs> and but if you do, what I would say is here's the weird thing about Police Academy because it's, it's after four that all this happened because it becomes this thing. So you have a TV series that I think it was in the nineties. Uh, then you get uh, this this the comedy, um, um, this cartoon. Which you, I think, Dave. I don't know which one of you noted that actually that led into Marvel did a short run of comics, which was based off the cartoon. Not only that, they did a full set of toys. You could, but based on the cartoon characters, so they did. And a friend of mine's mom bought him the full set of Police Academy um, action figures based on the cartoon in the early nineties. And yeah, <laughs> so I got hold of a digital copy of that first Marvel comic. Mm. Um just if you Google it you'll you'll eventually find it. Um yeah, made it to the second page. I was like, <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> it's the worst thing. I know. just yeah. You don't need to find that one. <laughs> no. The thing is with this series, I think it's slightly as it gets sillier more as we get into the second block, which I sort of call refer to let's refer to them as the silly years. It needs almost that raunch factor every now and then, doesn't it, for it to work, um, which, again, sort of falls away a little bit. But, yeah, it's the same. I mean, these are fundamentally, they're supposed to be a sex comedy. That was the idea. It falls into mm. our And that's why I think they sort of, you know, as they get more child-friendly, they, they become less funny in that sense. Yeah, um, it's that comedy relief that it needs to be able to kind of move a scene on. Yeah. To, to you know, to branch onto something else, it's kind of we're going to end a scene with Callahan's boobs in the water. <laughs> you know, it's, I mean, you know that that's obviously one of the things that I do remember from you know before yeah. watching them. Were you know the bit where they all pile and she's like, "Oh shit!" and she's swimming yeah. away. Clearly, yeah. she knew that was going to happen. And by the way, that's yeah. a great name for a band. By the way, I want to see a band called Callahan's Boobs. <laughs> that's. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean. It, you know, going back, if things are done in the right way, they can be, you know, I mean, mm. you, you mentioned 9-11 and, you know, end of action films. Now, if you, you know, years later, we get Man of Steel, which then leads on to Batman Superman. They crash into buildings. Yeah, exactly. Buildings come down, you know, and it's addressed and dealt with in the right way. So therefore it's accepted, mm. you know, if things, if things are done just for the sake of it, um, then that's where it falls down. But if 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 it's good writing and done in the respectful right way, you know, even going back to the originals, you know, the sexism and the racism, it's not good, but it is dealt with. Yeah. So you can accept it. But choice of words, it's not acceptable. You you can understand. It's de- yeah, from. it's. De- I think. I think. Yeah, it it is remembered as being handled badly, but actually, when you watch it, there's actually, or when you really think about it, you're actually they tried to deal with it 
in a in a, an accepting and in strangely positive way. Mm. It's just clunky and very eighties. I think is the, yeah, is the problem. You remember it for the old dear. It's, it's a, it's <laughs> the a, old dear. I like that. Yeah. It's <laughs> a, the F word there, and oh, you, you wouldn't be able to mention things like that nowadays. But again, there's a positive spin on it in the end of mm. how they deal with it. It's not like it's you. It's said it's used, and then that's it. It's just glossed over. You know, there is a reaction. Yeah. And that now, whether you agree with the action or not, you know, that, that's another debate, but there's a reaction and the consequence for them using that. Yeah, no, it's, it's very true. I think we'll sort of we'll end on that. So I think that's a really good point, actually. So we've gone through the first four films of uh, the Police Academy series. Uh, we will be back for what we're going to refer to as the Silly Saga um, five, six, and seven, which is a, a different tone entirely. Um, but yeah, but I want to before we just wrap up, I say thank you very much, Dave. Thank you very much, Math, for, for coming on to Talking Police Academy. It's been a lot of fun, actually. I don't think anybody has given Police Academy such a serious debate as we have done. Uh, <laughs> no. If anything, I, I don't think Police Academy deserved such a serious debate, but I think, you know, it was good fun to have. So I'm glad we did it. Um, but anyway, thank you very much, guys. I really appreciate you coming on. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, but before we go, Right, so let's go through. Dave, where can people find you and where can people hear you? So on Twitter, uh, at the moment at least, you can <laughs> get me at Seattle Dojos. You can get me on various podcasts. You can get me on Comics Emotion. You can get me on uh, VHS Strikes Back. You can get me on Chris and Dave's Reality Cast. And recently resurrected for the World Cup only chat footy as well and also appeared recently on Geek Girl Soup where Chris and I uh, covered a uh, it was actually a Japanese 2020 movie called Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes. Scott, I actually think you might like that as well. It's uh, okay. quite an interesting one. I'll take note really of interesting that. premise. So they they this guy finds that looking through his monitor, he can see two minutes into the future. It starts with that simple premise. It's a completely indie movie as well. Awesome. Um, really cleverly written. Really super stuff. So maybe one for uh, language movie. Yeah, yeah. Maybe one for what, stories out of time and space. I was gonna say yeah, yeah one for yeah. stories. I think sounds good. Yeah, excellent. So yeah, all of those places, and I'm sure I'm forgetting somewhere. But cheers excellent. for having us on. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you. And Math, where can people find you? Uh, I'm Math seventy eight on Twitter. Um, because of Dave, I have appeared on a couple of podcasts. Uh, we're doing one this Thursday, but the final season uh, episode of Andor. Uh, so I appear on there, and uh, if you really can put up with my dulcet tones. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, um, it's been a lot of fun. This I really enjoyed it. Good. Well, you will be back for, uh, let's say, the silly years. But yes, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening. This has been fantastic. I've really enjoyed this. And going through this film, the one thing I will say is my letterbox. Um, has been absolutely sort of like, you know, you get the sort of the actors that you've seen a lot this year, because obviously it gives you the stats. All of a sudden there are certain actors just sort of, you know, cropping up. And I'm, I feel I'm going to end this year with someone like uh, George Gaines as my top most watch actor <laughs> for some reason. 
<clears throat> but anyway, yes, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening and joining this. If you want to know more uh, or you actually enjoy what we're doing, please leave a review. Go onto your platform, uh, podcast catcher, and leave a review uh, and let us know what you think. But more than that, go check out our Patreon, uh, www.patreon.com, 20CG Media. There's all kinds of things on there. Uh, I talk with Julian Darius about the Twilight Zone episode by episode. I do my 30-minute thoughts every month, and we have creators on every quarter to talk about different bits and pieces. So go check that out. But for now, thank you very much. We will be back in the Police Academy in the next episode. But for now, thank you very much, and we'll talk again soon. Mm-hmm.